You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. Today, I am going to share with you my spiritual pilgrimage to Peru, what I learned when I actually did the psychedelic plant medicine, San Pedro. I'm also going to talk a little bit about my spontaneous past life recall when I was visiting one of the Inca ruins and how that has changed my perspective on everything going forward. If you are connected to me on social media, which you should be, and if you're not, follow me on Facebook, Laura, L-O-R-A, Plank Cheadle. Join my private Facebook community called The Flaunt Flock. Find me on Instagram, at Laura Cheadle. But if you are following me on social media at all, you will know that I put out the call for questions. Because if you're anything like me, in the past, I would hear people say things like, oh my gosh, it was so life-changing. And the practical part of me would be like, okay, that's great. But what does that mean? You know, where people would say, I've had this incredible spiritual awakening. And I'd be like, well, that's great. And like, it would kind of leave me at a loss. For those of you who don't know, the beginning of September, I went to Peru for 10 days on a spiritual pilgrimage. Now, going in, I truly didn't know what to expect. I was open. I had a friend who was leading a sacred pilgrimage to Peru, and it just happened to be over my 26th anniversary. It had just happened to have had a Vedic astrology reading where they told both me and my husband, Sean, that we needed to go to Peru. So it was just one of those things where the stars kind of aligned and I just jumped on it and I didn't really know what it meant, what we were going to be doing or what to expect. And I will admit that gave me quite a bit of anxiety for a while there, but I kept reverting back to the fact in my mind that I was called to Peru. They say that the sacred Valley calls you that you don't choose to go to the sacred Valley. And I kept really, you know, in flaunt terms, trusting in my truth and leaning into the fact that Peru kept coming into my vortex and being called. And the only thing I'm supposed to do is answer the call. So I think that was that first step that made it magical. I was really focused on answering the call. So I did. I answered the call and I showed up. When I'm normally traveling, I want information. Like I study the sites and sometimes 
I get so caught up in doing right that I miss the joy of discovery. And this was one of those cases where since I was answering the call, I decided to try to be very conscious and aware about the fact that other people knew more and that I would be taken care of. While it was challenging for me, because yes, there's a huge type A side of me, I really moved into allowing myself to be guided and taken care of, not only by God, by source, by spirit, but by the people around me too. And it was such a beautiful parallel, actually, to my infidelity recovery journey. I did the best that I could, but I needed so much time and space to fall apart and to grieve. And I remember very specifically early on, one of my friends was coming over and she said, do you want me to stop by Starbucks and bring you something? And my first response was, no, 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 no. And then I had that realization that, you know what? I am strong and confident and capable, but I can also allow myself to be taken care of. And even in that moment, I recognized that that was actually a gift of betrayal. It was a gift that allowed me to say yes, to allow myself to be taken care of by somebody else. And that was something that I also leaned into in my trip in Peru. I allowed myself not to know. I allowed myself not to take it upon my own shoulders, my own back to figure it all out. And then to be okay with what was. There were plenty of situations where I would have made a different decision. And instead of allowing myself to go down that rabbit hole, it would just be like, yeah, okay. I am allowing somebody else to make a decision and they can make a decision. The fact was, I felt the calling. I trusted them to take care of me. I allowed myself to be taken care of. And then I consciously chose to be okay with whatever was. So more into this whole spiritual awakening. I answered the call. I got myself there. Immediately, the power of the land was apparent to me, both in my interactions and my observations with the people around me, but also just in the way that my body and my energy felt. If you're not sure what I mean, let me describe it like this. Have you ever popped out of your hotel, say, in the middle of Manhattan, New York City, a big, a big city, and just felt that buzz of excitement. There's horns honking, there's people moving around, there's bustle, there's hustle, and it's just like this buzz of excitement. And you step out and you just feel it. You're like, woo, this whole city is on fire. That's what I'm talking about when I say the land, the power of the land there has that heart opening energy. Some people say that Peru is the heart of mother earth. Everything feels like heart 
there. Everything feels like unconditional love there. So with that said, you've got the backdrop of how I landed (laughs) in Peru. Now I'm going to go into the experience, into what we did. And I want to preface that by saying what we did while it was important was not as impactful as the feelings around it. And that's why I spent nearly half of the show talking about being in that state of receptivity to answer the call and to allow myself to be there and to experience and to be in a land and among people where it's just heart. It it, it truly is unconditional love. So the very first thing that we did was we set our intention. Why are we here? And I kept thinking, this is my one opportunity. And I don't want to do something that is trite or not really meaningless, but 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 superficial. I really want deep spiritual connection. And everybody keeps talking about the spirituality of Peru and their life, you know, transformation. And I want that to at the deepest level possible. So I tossed around several ideas for intentions. And what I landed on was kind of a combination of, I want to know ultimate truth. I I want to know ultimate truth spiritually, like in the universe. But also, I want to understand ultimate truth for myself. I want to see clearly, despite the pain, I want to have all of the veils lifted and for me to have and to be able to hold and process and deal with what is that ultimate divine truth? And what that meant to me was to be able to take this ultimate to divine truth and to do something beautiful with it, to transmute it and to transform it into something that was beautiful and powerful and in service of more divine truth. I asked to be that vessel, that vessel where ultimate truth could be poured in and that I could use that alchemy to pour out something even more meaningful and beautiful. So the first day we got really clear on our intentions and that was my intentions. And then we talked about the Apus, the spirits in the mountains. We talked about the spirits of the four directions, the power of the North, South, West and East and how we could commune with the spirits in those directions in order to facilitate our transformation. Now, what was powerful to me was the shift in that. It's not that I am using those directions to serve my own good. It's not that I am being given sacred wisdom to use for my own benefit. It's co-creation with. It is partnering with. For example, as you know, if you've listened to my show for a while, 
I'm a really positive, happy person. I like beautiful, flowery, gorgeous things. Well, that's the spirit of the South. The spirit of the South is that blossoming, that unfolding, that the rich blessings. So I have naturally been, and I am in partnership with the spirit of the South because that's me. It's not that I'm using the spirit of the South to give me these things or to get them. It's I'm in partnership with receiving them and creating them and gifting them to others. And that was a shift in the way I thought about things. And it opened me up to receiving even more because I realized the ways that I block the gifts that are coming into me because it's like, oh, no, 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 I've got enough. Or, oh, no, 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 I don't deserve that. Or, oh, no, 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 I'm not worthy enough for those. And when I had that shift that it's not really about that, it's that I'm in partnership and I am co-creating it. And I deserve my blessings when I co-create them. That changed things for me. And I found myself more willing to receive. Opposite of South is North. The spirit of the North is all about power. But again, it's not about, I will bow down to you, spirit of the North, and you will give me power, and I will hold up my scepter and my sword and rule the earth. That's not it. It's, I am in power with you, spirit of the North. Show me how to lead with integrity. And since my intention was around truth, show me how to lead with truth. Show me what the truth means and how I can step into my power in service of spiritual truth, in service of unconditional love, in service of more joy more blossoming, more receptivity. And it's a kneeling down. It's a sitting at the feet of the spirit of the North in order to learn better ways to serve. Because ultimately having power is being able to serve effectively and efficiently the highest number of people in service of their greater good. Now, I'm leaving the spirit of the West to the end for a reason. (laughs) East. The East is all about the blossoming, the new day. It goes hand in hand with the spirit of the West, which is you have to set down the old day in order to step in to the new day. And I love new beginnings and I love sunrises and all of that great stuff and the spirit of the East. What am I going to create? This is my intention. And, and I had intentions around my relationship. I mean, especially after infidelity and betrayal, it's significant to step into a new relationship. And there's a lot of fear and trust issues. And despite my willingness to step in to something new, Oh my gosh, how are you supposed to truly just let it all go and step into something new? Because you know what comes up? Tell me if this comes up in you. Am I being stupid? 
Am I totally being brainwashed and am I being stupid? That's what comes up. We all want the sun to rise on a new day. And we're also all in fear that we're being duped. I don't care if it's around relationships or family or jobs or careers or anything. We've got that fear. So while the East is all about the dawning of the new day and co-creating and partnering and stepping into that, in order to fully step into my business, money, relationships, love, power, truth, in order to step into any of that, bing, 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 we've got to work with the spirit of the West. Ah, the spirit of the West, the spirit of the West, the spirit of the West. How I wish I could have ignored you and how I have spent much of my life intentionally ignoring you. Just like in the Wizard of Oz, when you talk about the wicked witch of the West, the West is all about death, dying, destruction, icky, bloody death. Who wants to go there? Not me. But being in co-creation with the spirit of the West changed that for me. Being able to acknowledge and realize how we cannot have the dawning of a new season without the death of the old. We cannot live in perpetuity. Everybody, everything dies. Looking at the condor, which is one of the spirit power animals in Peru, it's the snake, the puma, and the condor. The condor is a, in Harry Potter terms, a death eater. Condors eat dead animals. And if we didn't have carrion, if we didn't have animals that would eat other dead animals, we would have a smelly, rotten, gross planet. We need those that love death. We need to feed death. We need to honor death. We need to move into the full destruction of the old in order to turn to the east accept the sunrise, turn to the north, step into our power for growth and change, turn to the south and accept the blessing and the blossoming of all the gifts that are coming our our way. We need death and destruction. And that terrified me. Tell me it terrifies you too. Again, back to my infidelity journey, back to your betrayal journey as well. What's something that scared you? The loss of the old, the loss of that relationship, the loss of that person, the loss of your status as married or dating, the loss of security over this is my life. This is my home. This is my family. This is my partner. This is the way we do things. We are all creatures of habit and change is hard. Even the loss of something bad is hard. 
An abused woman will go back to her abuser, an abused person, not always just a woman. It's the whole Stockholm syndrome thing. Prisoners will protect their guards. Because once we've learned to live in an environment, once we've learned to manage the narcissist, to roll with the patterns of our abuser, we know that we can make ourselves safe. Even if we have a toxic boss, once we've learned how to manage our toxic boss, we have more of a tendency to stay in that situation because it's a known rather than an unknown. And death in all forms leads us into something that's unknown. Whether it is, we don't know where that person is when they die. We have these beliefs around spirit and heaven and hell, but we don't really know because we can't like just lift the veil and say, oh, there you are. Oh my gosh. You know, the Catholics were right. Or, you know, somebody else was right. The Egyptians were right. There's your soul. We don't know. We don't know because we can't see it. So that's why it's scary. And that's what had held me back so often in relationships, in business, in life, was my unwillingness to go to the West and to get ugly and messy and scream and sob and cry and smash things and break it all apart and terminate relationships. So that's what I did for a whole day. I sat physically facing the West in the westernmost portion of the retreat center. And I journaled about death and I thought about death. And I drew about death and destruction and ugliness because that's part of it too. We want the beautiful blessings. We don't want ugliness. We don't want aging. We don't want anything to do with that. It's our fear of, you know, the archetypal crone. It's the wise man, but the crone doesn't tend to be seen as the wise crone. It's like, who wants to be a crone? Take me back to maidenhood and motherhood and all these beautiful things. I don't want the ugliness of death or aging or the loss of function in my body. So I sat with that death in the West and destruction and ugliness and rage and shame and pain for a long time. And the transformation I had around that truly can be summarized in a very simple statement. I allowed myself to be there. I allowed myself to think about all the things that I didn't want to think about. To think about a sick, aging, painful body. To think about being alone and dying and mold and decay and losing people. I allowed myself to go into those places that are not fun to go into and to grieve and to cry. And some people, you know, they were saying it's okay to scream or yell or rage. And while I was willing to do that, I didn't feel the need to do it. So I just went there in my head. And yes, I cried, but it wasn't 
the full body sobbing that I thought it might be. And what was interesting about that is the reason that I think that I didn't go there, that I didn't have to go there, is that through my betrayal journey, I went there. I went there a lot. I went there deeply. I went there powerfully. Some of the sounds that came out of me during my grief in that session were inhuman type sounds. And I think it was a purging that came deep from my soul that didn't have to be purged again. So the intention, the working with the four directions, then the connection with Pachamama, Mother Earth, and Pachatata, Father Sky. That was a profound experience because I have heard the terms Mother Earth, Father Sky, Pachamama, whatever. I've heard those before, divine, feminine, blah, blah, blah. And that we should respect Mother Earth and we should respect Father Sky. But I saw that more as a a cold relationship or a symbolic relationship in terms of a heartfelt relationship, a back and forth, a giving and a taking. And one day we climbed, we got up at 2.30 in the morning, we climbed to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain and we had a sunrise ceremony. And as part of that ceremony, we were in communion with Mother Earth, and they call them these despacho packets. And we filled this packet with coca leaves and sweets and grains like quinoa, and the medicine man blessed it, and we whispered our blessings into the coca leaves, and then we put those coca leaves in the packet, and we had this roaring fire. It was amazing and played music and had drums and used rattles to clear the energy and then burned that packet and sent the smoke up to the sky. And here's the living connection that was made for me. Like I can tell you those things that we did because it's cool to hear about what we did, but again, it's about the being, it's about the experience and the connection with earth and sky. We're on the planet And we climbed to one of the highest places on the planet that we could get to. We climbed to the top of a 14,000 foot peak because that's that connection. That's the alpha and omega. That's mother earth and father sky. We are putting ourselves, our bodies, our spirit in that high place because it's the communion and it's the bridging of the gap. And it's saying we are one as within, so without. We are one earth and sky. And just as a mother grows her children in her, she also needs the seed of Father Sky in order to grow. You need the connection of both. We can't have seed without the womb, and we can't have the womb without seed. And to me, that was so deeply profound. We need both. And when we're doing this ceremony, we're putting our physical presence in that place of both. And we are whispering our prayers into the leaf and we are burning the leaf and sending the smoke to the sky. It's that connection, that symbolic connection, but also that physical connection that puts us, put me in an understanding of that relationship. 
And then being a mother myself, looking at Mother Earth as the vessel, as the womb, as the living, breathing thing that held me, that is holding me, as I held my own children in my womb, was powerful. Because I loved my children before I had them. Because I loved them in concept. I loved them in idea. I loved them as an idea. I loved them in utero. I loved them as they were growing. And now I love them as their own independent beings, separate and distinct from me. That's how Mother Earth sees me and holds me and knows me and loves me. And that broke me down on a different level and moved me into that state of unconditional love. That right there was such a spiritual awakening that she has me the same way I have my children. And then my father's sky connection was similar, but totally different in that father sky seeded me. Father sky has me as above. I can look up and all the wisdom and resources is there. From the earth, we have the plants and the earth and the animals, but from sky, we've got the planets. We've got the sun, we've got the moon, we've got the seasons. These are gifts that my father is bringing me, heavenly father above, father sky above. The ideas of masculine in guiding me, in providing me with wisdom, in giving me resources. Again, I talked about the seed in terms of creating the baby, but Father Sky also gives me seeds. He gives me the seeds of information about the planets, about the earth, about anything that I need. I can ask my father for guidance and wisdom and tools. And he will give that to me again in this living, breathing space. I was able to, we were able to lay on the ground and let our mother hold us and open up our head and our hearts to the sky and to ask for and receive support. So our next day, after all of that, after the beautiful intention and working with the spirits and, you know, climbing to the top of the mountain and Mother Earth and Father Sky, the next day was the plant medicine ceremony. And I originally had no intent on doing that because I've never taken drugs because I'm not interested. I like my mind the way it is. And I connect with spirit well. And I just didn't think it was necessary. But after seeing the reverence with which the people of Peru, manage this plant medicine and this experience and the spiritual awakening, I changed my mind. I also changed my mind, practically speaking, because I found that San Pedro was at the low end of the psychedelic plant medicines, as opposed to ayahuasca, which is on the more intense level. And the shamans we were working with dose it according to your size and your intention. So I chose one little dose. (laughs) And some people chose three larger doses. So I felt comfortable with that. And then also when it was explained to me that you're not going on this psychedelic journey to just like trip out, man, you're going on it because it connects you with a master teacher that San Pedro is a master teacher and you can connect and commune and dance with 
a master teacher and get the information that you are requesting and that you can ask for more or you can ask for less, I thought, wow, my intention was ultimate truth and wisdom. So yeah, bring it on, bring, bring it on. Let's do it. And it was like being an active participant in prayer where I would ask a question and I would be shown the answer. And I was afraid to ask some of the questions around truth, especially being a survivor of infidelity. It was one of those things that it was like, I don't want to all of a sudden have my world rocked in a bad way. So when I went in, we had music, we had prayer, we were on mats outside in the sacred valley. And as I relaxed and just let myself, it's, it's like lucid dreaming where you're awake and you're asleep all at the same time. As I was moving in, I kept saying, please show me ultimate truth. Please show me what is truth. And I don't want to be afraid and I don't want to see anything bad, but I also am brave enough and willing to, to sit here. So show me. And the answer I got was very (laughs) interesting and loving. The answer was that it really is all about love, that ultimate truth is love. And ultimate truth is exactly what I was moving into. Ultimate truth was the willingness to be scared. Ultimate truth was the willingness to look at the things that we don't want to look at. That ultimate truth was about unconditional love. I was shown through all these like movies in my mind at all of these situations, all of the ways that we as humans fall out of unconditional love and really just how simple it is. And in a variety of ways, I mean, a wide variety of ways, but I was also asking about, and I'll go into some of that, but I was also asking about some of the spiritual truths, you know, like, like Bible stories and just our beliefs as a society about what we should do. And I was shown how all of the Bible stories are stories and how really the lesson in every single one of those stories is about love and that we tend to get hung up on the facts. Oh, it's about, you know, whatever, honoring your mother or honoring your father, or, I mean, since this is a betrayal show, not committing adultery, (laughs) you know, and while facts can be important, I was reminded that the facts aren't that important. These were just examples. These are stories. And when you look at the characters, the actors, the situation, all of that, it's it, you need that information to drive the story because otherwise the message gets lost in the story. But when you really look at the root of what is being taught in each and every situation, it's a message of pure unconditional love. And people fall out of love and get into a place of fear or greed or shame or hate or or any of these things 
And that's what all of the stories and that's what all the reflections in any religious tradition are about. They're about providing these stories so we can have something to relate to. So we can say, oh, I'm like, you know, Job, or I'm like Siddhartha, or I'm like, you know, whoever it is, and that then we can relate and we can compare those fact patterns in those stories to our lives and ultimately come back around to the fact that it's all about unconditional love. And what I really liked about that is as a lawyer, that's what you do when you look at case law. You look at a wide variety of case law. The statute might have the rule, but the case laws interpret the rule. How does it apply if this happens? How does it apply when that happens? How does it apply in this circumstance? And that's how you argue and advance your case is by looking at a variety of fact patterns. And if there's one that matches your fact pattern, it's a pretty clear cut case. But typically, facts patterns are not the same. So then you string together, well, in this case, they did that. And in this case, he did this. And in this case over here, and then you build the case for yourself, which really made me laugh because truly, if you look at any teaching from any religious tradition, they're all stories and they're all fact patterns designed to get us to come home to the truth. And the truth is unconditional love. And it did make me laugh, too, because one of the things that I was shown was all of our stories, all of our, you know, human written stories from, you know, Aesop's fables to just fairy tales and how funny it would be if we got stuck in the facts and missed the lesson. If, you know, the one with the fox and the sour grapes became a rule about foxes and sour grapes, If the tortoise and the hare became a story about tortoises and hares and races. And that's not what the story is about. The story is about the lesson. And part of that, too, I was shown the difference between love and acceptance and judgment. But ultimately, the truth of our soul, the, I hate to use the word purity because that has so many implications that I don't mean, but the condition of our soul is solely up to us. And it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. And I was shown also a huge piece around mistakes and the ways that we fall out of love. And from the universal perspective, there's no sadness around that. It's not that God is sad when we do the wrong thing. It's not that. It's it's our own awareness and that we always have the kind of support we need. We can always choose to stay in a place of unconditional love. And truly, the only people we ultimately hurt are ourselves. And, you know, yes, again, since this is a betrayal show about betrayal, was I hurt by my husband's infidelity? Yes. What damage was done to my soul, however, was not inflicted by him. It was the things that I had done and where I did things that hurt my own soul. His choices hurt his own soul. Yes, other people were impacted, but that we were impacted on a human level, not on a soul level. And the enormity 
of how much we are truly in charge of our own soul and how much love is there for the mistakes that we make. God's love, spirit's love, the universe's love, it doesn't matter what you call it. All there is, is an enormous amount of pure, unconditional love for us on this journey. And then I got to a point where I'm like, whoo, I'm done. (laughs) And the answer that I got was, there's something else you need to look at. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm tired. I've seen some of my own choices. Um, Standing in place of unconditional love is hard. It takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage. Um, I understand that I'm not judged. I understand there is, you know, pure unconditional love for me that's running through me all the time, but that I don't often always open myself up to it, which again was resonant with my intent starting the journey with answering the call and allowing myself to be taken care of. So it, it was like that re- the, the reflection back to that, that spiritually speaking, what is truth? Spiritually speaking, all we have to do is answer the call and allow ourselves to be taken care of and to be okay with what we're receiving. So I'm like, I'm getting this. This is, this is a lot. This is hard. We're good. I'm done. And I just kept very much getting the answer. No, there's one more thing for you to look at. Well, I was not wanting to, I was tired. Um, I was a little scared at that point because I thought, I don't know what it is that I really want to look at. And if I need to look at it, I probably am not going to want to look at it because that means I've probably been blocking it. So I got Sean who had actually come out of the medicine a little bit earlier than I had. And I was saying, I am done. I don't want this. Get the medicine woman, get the shaman, um, have the, have them help me, have them sit with me because I'm done. Medicine woman and the shaman came in and they blessed me and prayed over me and anointed me with Agua Florida, which is amazing. And, you know, blew the smudge smoke and, held me physically. And the lady kept saying I could purge up the medicine or I could just allow myself to go. The choice was me, but to basically just keep letting it go. So I decided to go with it because once again, I was here, I was answering the call. I was in that state of allowance and I was actively trying to be okay with what was. And I felt an enormous sense of heartache, absolute heartache and heartbreak for myself, for my journey, for the people that I loved, for the world, for how complex we were all making it, for the division, but really for me. And it was so acute. At one point I told Sean, I'm afraid I will physically have a heart attack because this heartbreak is such a painful place to be. And, you know, being ever practical, he took my pulse and was like, no, your pulse is fine. (laughs) Just go with it. It's spiritual. (laughs) So I did. And I sat with it. And I was trying again to really be with it. And to not be afraid and just to say, what are you here to teach me? What are you here to teach me? I'm, I'm brave. I'll do this. 
And I kept seeing heartbreak as a skinny, long, lanky, naked man in the corner, curled up with his knees tucked in, his arms folded and his head down, shivering. And he scared me. And it was that dance between he needs comfort and I should comfort him, but I don't want to comfort him. It it freaks me out. So I just stood there and I breathed because that was about the only thing I could focus on doing and watched and witnessed. And it felt like it took forever, but at some point he quit shivering and I felt myself relax a little bit. And at some point he looked up and I made eye contact. And again, it was like this tension in me that there was a part of me that wanted this hallmark moment. And I went over and I embraced him and it was all okay. But there was a stronger part of me that was like, no, I, ugh, I, I, don't, I don't want this. I'm witnessing and that, that's enough. And I just kept witnessing and kept feeling and kept feeling my dislike and my disdain for this whole situation. And at some point, he literally just stood up and walked past me and left. And, you know, no, there was no angel singing moment or gloriousness, but he left. And I literally did breathe a sigh of relief. And it was like, whew, this pain is gone. And from the spirit of San Pedro, I heard, good job. You were willing to do that. And that's all, that's all, that's all is a willingness. You don't have to have this beautiful hallmark moment. You don't have to have angels fly in and the heavens crack open. That is not unconditional love. That's like a Hollywood happy ending. And that's really not what this is about. You just had to witness and bear witness to your own discomfort in witnessing this discomfort. And I was kind of like, I get it, but I don't. I still want doves and rainbows. (laughs) But I started feeling better. And that was pretty much my entire plant medicine journey. Now I did some things in a little bit of a reverse order intentionally before the plant medicine journey. There was one evening where we had some free time. So we went over to the PSAC ruins and I'm like excited. No, this is going to be so fun. And as we were walking up, I saw this gate this stone doorway. And instantly I had a spontaneous past life recollection of being a young boy and working there. And all of my friends were there and we, we were pranksters and we played some jokes on the elders. And even though it would sometimes drive them crazy, like we would use this energy frequency to turn the stone sideways and it would drive them crazy. 
But even though they would be driven crazy, we had learned these pranks from them because these were the pranks that they did in their youth. So I'm seeing my body. I'm feeling the laughter. I'm feeling the freedom of running around that kind of a live feeling of getting in trouble, but not really bad trouble. You know that it, it's, it's all in good fun trouble. And I mean, it, it was instant. It was like this whole memory. And of me needing to carry information to people who were looking at the stars to give guidance to the village around crops. And it was an overwhelming sense of homecoming. And it was so overwhelming to me because the energy of all of the spirits, all of the people who had been there with me in that lifetime was still there. And they were all still as lighthearted as we were before. And I started (laughs) totally crawling on the ground, like sobbing, ugly crying, because it felt so good to be home. And it felt so good to know that everybody was there, that even though we had been separated and bad things had happened, because I also was very aware of the way that I died, Um, everybody was still there and it was absolutely uncontrollable. And I've never had an experience like that. The way that I died is some of the Spanish invaders had come in and they bound my wrists behind my back and they bent me over a stone and they slipped my throat. And I remember being dropped down on the stone And seeing my blood pour out and just feeling my spirit leave my body. And while I didn't feel the pain around that, I did feel that overwhelming sense of sadness. And the reason that I wanted to tell this story after the plant medicine journey is because I started understanding it in a different way after I got that answer that Truth is love. It's all unconditional love, not la la Hollywood movie love, but true unconditional love like God, universe, source has for us. And it was that same kind of love that we lived with in that lifetime, in that society with those souls. And it was that pure unconditional love. And it was just, it was a returning. And it was such an acceptance of it doesn't matter who has done what. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that my throat was slit or that somebody slit my throat. It is that pure unconditional love and the responsibility that we have for our souls and for the integrity. That's probably a better word than pureness of managing our own souls and that awareness that we will all return. And that really came to me in such a different way that we will all return. You know, whatever your belief system is, we will all be returning and we will all be with those that we want to be with. And then it's it's so much deeper than we're all going to die and go to heaven and be with our family because that's not it. That's the preschool version of it. 
but that we all will return to source. We all will return to love. We all will return. I mean, it's more similar to the oneness. We will all return to oneness. And it's not based on how good we are, but it's when we are able to be in a state of unconditional love. So it's like every single Bible story you've ever heard is true. Every single religious story in any tradition is true. It's the returning to source when we are able to maintain that vibration of pure unconditional love, when we're able to honor that and hold that for ourselves and for others. And that getting locked in the stories and the details and the judgments and don't do this and do do this and you have to prove this, none of that's true. It's just that you have to own that state for yourself. And then our very last day, we, we were able to see several other different ruins that were absolutely amazing, um, but I did not have that severe <laughs> emotional reaction at any others until the very last day at a place called Sexy Human. Sounds just like sexy woman. And these are the enormous stones. I mean, stones the size of cars, <laughs> of medium-sized cars, not even small cars, end-to-end in an enormous like two and three stories zigzag line. It is absolutely amazing. But once again, I had a very clear memory of being there in meeting where everybody from all around came to meet and to share information. And the energy that was coming out of the rocks because the sun was shining on those rocks and it was reflecting and it was putting this pure positive energy back into us. And we were together as a community. And it was joyful and it was not joyful in the same soul shattering way that it was at PSAC when I came home to my people and they were all there. It was, it was very, it was different, but this was a more joyful, like, like maybe a high school reunion where you're like, ah, this is so fun. I haven't seen you for so long. What's going on. This is great. Let's all do things together. That's what this was more like. Whereas the PSAC one was your love coming back to the most important people, your soul group, your family. But again, it broke me down with unconditional love because we had done it. We had all done it as a community and we were all connected and we were feeling the reflection of the sun and the energy of the sun come out of these rocks and that we were all answering the call. We were all allowing ourselves to receive and to be taken care of from source, from each other. And we were all okay with what was. And it looped me all back to how I started my journey that oh my gosh, it's hard to answer the call because we want to direct things ourselves and we want to plan things ourselves. And it's hard to find that balance sometimes between being taken care of and doing things for yourself because no, it's not about saying I'm never going to work and I'm never going to pick up my own socks and do my own laundry. That's not it. But it's that authentic, again, place of love, unconditional love where I am loving and taking care of people out of unconditional love and they are loving and taking care of me out of unconditional love. And I will allow that it's dropping out of that state of ego, answering the call and being in that full state of connection with unconditional love and then being okay with what was being okay with 
with the humanness, the goodness, the badness. I mean, even being okay in that one lifetime with my throat being slit, I, I answered the call. The humor that my friends and I had, the pranks we played was all to elevate, to bring joy. The irritation of others with us was also from a state of joy and they were okay with us and we were okay with them. And it was so impactful because it was the last day of our journey there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've come full circle. Like I had to step into these three things in order to get here. And then in order to set my intentions and work with the directions and really understand mother, father, and to have this plant medicine journey and to ask the right question, what is it all about? And then to understand unconditional love on such a different level than just, I love you no matter what you do, because that's not it. That is so not it. And then to have these memories reflect that back. And it was like, for the first time, I was able to see the stories, my stories, our human stories in terms of the lesson and not in terms of the fact pattern. So that is how I am changed. That is my spiritual awakening. That is what it means to me to have a life-altering moment. It means I am no longer stuck in facts. I don't, I mean, sure, whatever they matter. But what matters is the elevation of myself and my soul by practicing unconditional love for myself, for humanity, for the world in such a deep and respectful way. It means that I will continue to answer the call, that I will continue to trust in my intuition, in the opportunities that are being presented to me, and I will allow myself to receive. I will allow myself to be taken care of and I will rest easy in the knowledge that Pachamama and Pachatata, Mother Earth and Father Sky are there. And all I need to do when I need rest is to rest on her. And all I need to do when I need resources and guidance and protection is ask Father Sky and then open and relax and accept it. And then ultimately to be okay with however that manifests itself. Ponder this deeply, please. My spiritual awakening can be your spiritual awakening. My insight can be your insight. Answer the call. Allow. Be okay with what is. And above all else, be pure, unconditional love not only for yourself and for others, but for our whole planet. Have an amazing week. I can't wait to hear what you think. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. 
Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.